welcome to the Huntback Country podcast. This is episode number 415, and it is an after the hunt story. Back in episode 400, Jason and Eric joined us to tell us about a hunting adventure that they were going to be going on in New Zealand. And today in this episode, they're back from that trip and they tell us how that trip went. Now, this is obviously a different story than what a lot of us will experience. Uh, not all of us are going to go to New Zealand and do a trip like this. But even for you know those of us who are hunting deer and elk and uh, more typical hunts in the States this year, there's some lessons to pull from Jason and Eric's experience. And then it's also just always interesting to me to hear about different hunting areas and contexts and cultures even. So this is a fun episode to hear how their adventure in New Zealand went. Before we dive into that discussion, I wanted to remind you guys that here in August of 2023, we're doing a giveaway with our friends from Born and Raised Outdoors, and you can win a whole set of elk calls for your elk season this year. Enter before August 14th of 2023 by going to exomontgear.com forward slash podcast. We will be picking the winner on the 15th and get those calls sent out to the winner right away so you can hopefully use them on a successful elk hunt this fall. As always, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. If you have any questions, feedback, or anything like that for us, you can always send an email to podcast at exomontgear.com. And if you're enjoying the show, it would help us tremendously if you can leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you're using, or just share the show with a friend. Right now, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with Jason and Eric. Well, Jason and Eric, welcome uh Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the U.S. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good to be home, but sad to uh, sad not to be in New Zealand. Yeah, did not disappoint. How long have you guys been back, Eric? It's been what a couple weeks or something. No, just uh, what did we get back? Jay, the seventeenth. We get back the seventeenth Saturday. Yeah. Okay, so just over ten days. Yeah, awesome. Well, I you guys did. The, the kind of the family portion of the trip first, correct, Jason? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I do want to touch on some of that kind of just, you know, spend time with the kids, some of the cool touristy quote unquote stuff you saw. Um, but let's head on that after. So let's flip the script and dive straight into the hunting. Um, and again, I mentioned this in the intro, but for listeners, the quote unquote before uh, the hunt story was episode 400. So make sure you go back to listen to that for more context. If you haven't already, but Eric, in terms of transitioning to kind of arriving to uh, the hunt outfit, just begin to tell us what it was like. First impressions. We got in kind of uh, later in the afternoon, um, probably three thirty, four o'clock. So it was already starting to get dark. It's, it was their, their winter when we arrived and it was a uh, pretty overcast, a little drizzly out. Um, so driving up to kind of, our hunting destination place. It was a uh, fairly dark outside, so we couldn't really appreciate the beauty, but man, coming in on the airplane, um, seeing the mountain line, mountain ridges and mountain lines, valleys, fjords, it, it was spectacular, drastically different than, than the North Island. So Chase and I were kind of elbowing each other on the flight over and, like man, look, look at this and look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was. Got a little nervous seeing that. 
lots of verticalness. Yeah. <laughs> Extreme. Extreme. Yeah. But uh we uh we had a smile on our face and yeah, we got picked up and taken out to a, a base camp or our first kind of order of business. Jason was really wanting to dial in the rifles and kind of get acquainted with our new best friends and and so yeah, we uh we got picked up without a hitch and going through I don't know. We, we once we started uh, the hunt that evening, or getting acquainted with our our lodge and, and everything, um, we got a nice warm intro from our, our guide service, and uh, everyone was there to kind of meet us and show us the accommodation, show us around. We had a an awesome dinner planned. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a great start to the trip. Yeah. Yes, we had any- yeah, I was gonna say any first impressions for you or anything that uh, I always find it interesting going to a new place, meeting new people. If like you have expectations and then you get on the ground, and sometimes those match and sometimes they don't. Yeah, uh, like he was saying, when we flew in, it was just like, oh boy, what have we got ourselves into here? Because this this is some crazy country like we've never seen before. And then uh, upon arrival, we had a, uh, in a couple recommendations from people that had reached out to us on guides that we we should be paired up with, and and we found out that we wouldn't be hunting with either of those guides. So uh, we met Martin, who was going to be our guide, and um, I was like, we've been in New Zealand for about a week, and I can I can understand these people pretty well, but I'm having a tough time with Martin. So I I asked him where he was from, and he said he was from Switzerland. So uh, <laughs> we settled in with that uh, quickly and started figuring out how he spoke a little differently. And, um, and he was telling us that, uh, the rifle that, uh, I would be shooting, um, he didn't, he wasn't super confident in the Creedmoor. So he wanted me to shoot a 30 odd six. So, uh, we'd made plans for the next morning to one, go to tar camp and two go to the range prior to that. So that, that was the game plan, um, for the first day. Yeah. Got it. You mentioned, feedback from podcast listeners i know that i had several folks reach out kind of through me through the podcast email and i passed some of that along to you but uh to touch on that what what type of response feedback connections did you make you know between Um, this first podcast and the hunt itself it was great we got a uh, we got on a conference call eric and i with a a guy jim in colorado who had just gotten back so he had some really fresh um, memories and, and impressions that he wanted to share and that was really helpful and 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 getting our expectations you know set a little bit and um yeah he had, he had mentioned sand flies were a big problem where where he was and um if you hear anything about them to be ready um fortunately for us we didn't encounter encounter them but one in the um at the lodge did at tar camp but um, we weren't we weren't bitten by those is that what they sound like are they kind of small flies yeah like he, he kind of likened them to mosquitoes he said the bites lingered for like about a week and were pretty painful and you know he had some like mobility with uh, his hands issues huh. after that yeah i've heard of them but i yeah no experience with them yeah you mentioned day one like this plan to go to to tar camp you said right mm-hmm. yep so what does that involve when i hear like go to tar camp what is, is that a a jeep ride is this a hike is it far from the base camp or not what does that involve yeah it's about a three hour drive by a four four by four vehicle and through spectacular country just like you go across a um along a, a lake and then a river and then you arrive at um, basically two wall 
wall tents at the bottom base of a very steep mountain and and that's tar camp and it's if you've ever been to like a traditional elk camp it was very similar to that i felt like and who made that journey on this first day so it was me eric martin and then nelson which is uh the (laughs) (laughs) the hero of the day he's the um lab pointer mix that uh works with martin he's a nine-year-old but uh very trim and fit so he was he was beating us up the mountain every time it was our it was our first experience uh hunting big game with with a, a dog by our side <laughs> very cool though yeah I, are they using the dog strategically or it's more just kind of a companion i i think a little bit of both i think it's he's definitely a companion um but he had his great eyesight and, and a great nose on him and so if we're kind of um and then i i think ideally if we if we wounded the animal and created a blood trail he was going to use um use the dog to pick up the the scent and and track it uh, we didn't really need it in that capacity but the the dog was great as far as if we were in heavy heavy bush and we could really identify which location the animals were in you know you can kind of get some direction from the dog and the dog would would win the animals and and kind of point us in the right direction which was pretty wild yeah, he was smelling tar at the top of the mountain and, and we knew they were around, but we couldn't see any. So it was kind of like a little early indicator, which is really cool. I had no idea. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, you want to bring your dog on a big game? Uh, does he blood trail? He's like, yes. I'm like, ah, oh, he's in. <laughs> I, I think even going up to Tar Camp was a little departure because we had these uh, gorgeous eco huts at, at, the, at the base lodge. And so... I think I was at least under the impression that we were going to be hunting from, from base camp and, and, uh, you know, been able to hang out with the families and stuff. And the first night we're there, they're like, yep, you guys are leaving. We're like, all right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then there was, uh, three groups of two in camp. So uh, we would all take turns at tar camp. So we were the first group to go out there. Okay. And then what is, do they tell you when you're going, okay, this could be, one day it could be three days like what's the kind of do they lay out an agenda for that yeah it's a two-day kind of a deal there and you spend one night in the tents out there so you arrive at tar camp what are first impressions of kind of being in the country or even first steps you guys glassing from the bottom then well prior to arrival we we hit the range and um, shot rifles out to uh 400 on steel and a little bit on paper i think and then um those the suppressors man uh they were <laughs> like this is gonna be nice <laughs> <laughs> both of our rifles had the suppressors on them and that's uh shay that's your first time too yep right? yeah yeah it's both both of our time shooting suppressors and i was like i, I had no idea about the recoil i thought it was just a, a sound issue i had no idea it takes the recoil out of it so i'm popping away with the the 308 and it's i mean there, there's it's like shooting something like a 22 if not less like there's there's just no recoil and i was like wow this is amazing <laughs> i'm sold yeah the suppressor on mine was probably i don't even know 12 it was in meters but or metric but it was like probably 12 inches it was it was massive but um a shorter barrel and just a nice uh rifle so 308 and 30 out six is what you have between the two of you yeah yeah it's, it's hard to shoot suppressed and then go back <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think in my uh, email to you guys, I noted it was a great experience actually taking the animal because it was my first opportunity without recoil where you could actually look through the scope, pull the trigger, 
see the animal drop and like stay on it. You know, if you needed a, a backup shot or if you just wanted to watch it, like you, you could actually see everything happening through the scope, which most of the time the gun jumps around enough and you have to kind of reacquire the target and it's a little bit more involved. But uh, man, with that suppressor, you're just laying down, squeezing off that trigger and it, it's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to jump ahead to that necessary, that encounter, the success of that. But real quick question, since you brought that aspect of it up. At what distance was that shot? Uh, which one was mine, Jay? Was that about 280 meters? Yeah, we, yeah that was another thing. We, we kind of got converted to meters, um, just basically on the dials on the gun. And then um, they, they had a little tape on there and it had meters. And then uh, I told Eric to change his rangefinder to meters. So we were kind of just all converted and speaking the same language there. Um, yeah, I think about 280 on that first shot. Is, what it, yeah. is, that, is that right? Yep. Yeah, so right at 300 yards. Okay, cool. Yep. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, any other, before we dive back into Tar Camp, any other um, aspects of kind of the range, shutting in, shooting, or getting used to those guns? No, I think the just overall, just the the scenery um, down there. In the North Island, we didn't see a ton of sheep. Yeah. And we, we kept waiting for all these sheep. Well, yeah. apparently they're all in the South Island. <laughs> they are everywhere. Yeah, so just uh, you know, it was just picture perfect seeing the the snow covered mountain peaks and these absolutely gorgeous um, rivers going through. I remember driving th- up to Tari Camp with uh, the guide, and he he stops at a little overlook, and we're glassing this little creek bed down below, and it's like eleven hundred uh, meters down, and you can actually see trout swimming in the stream from eleven hundred meters. And I was like, "What size are those?" And he's like, "Oh, those are, those are small." And he's like, "Those are only, you know, five or six pound trout." I'm like, five or six pounds? Like, yeah. Holy <laughs> lord! Wow. So yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was amazing. Dang. So it was a pretty pretty stark difference, at least in what you experienced between the North and the South Island. I know there's you know different types of terrain on each island, but just as a broad high level, you guys were drastically different different. yeah Yeah. drastically different yeah so pick us back up from arriving at tar camp and how things progress yeah so basically we kind of dropped off our our stuff he told us to lighten our our loads uh jason and i both we didn't really know what to expect we knew we were gonna be up there for two days but we didn't they they didn't tell us in advance oh yeah we have these really nice tents with the wood heaters in them so jason and i packed as if it was going to be very cold which it was it was yeah. down in the in the high teens at night we were tar camps pretty good elevation so we were i would say base is probably at what jay two thousand feet I, I never really understood it was you know some some metric stuff usually was told to us and we we're like uh, all right yeah maybe <laughs> right, maybe around there um but you know you're basically looking at a mountain right right up at tar camp and it's just you know up and you can see you know snow capped tops and and uh, we did, we had lunch right when we got there. Basically, it was right around maybe twelve thirty. And um, uh, Martin takes out the spotting scope and he's like, "Oh, we have tar." So, like, pretty excited right out of the gate. Like, it, he's spotting tar right right out of the camp. Do you guys ever remember uh, being kids? Those Where's Waldo books, and your eyes mm-hmm. kind of have to adjust to them. And once you do adjust, you're like, "Oh wow!" Like now I see him. Like. For me, at least, it was definitely like that for the tar. Like I was expecting 
expecting them, especially against the snow, really to stand out. And they do. But when your eyes aren't quite used to seeing them, um, it, it definitely took us a while. <laughs> it at least yeah. took me a while. Yeah, there's and, some plants that look an awful lot like a tar up there that, you know, they kind of just blend in really well. Yeah. And Martin's like, they're, they're right there. There's, you know, a, a dozen of them. I'm like, a dozen? Like, right <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see them. Like, you're like, oh, they're all over the place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and new terrain, new vegetation, and new species. Yeah, there's definitely like this acclimation period of like, okay, what exactly am I looking for? Like, even if you know in your head until your your eyes acclimate to that, it, it can be an adjustment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we lightened our load and took kind of the, the more essentials and you know, again, not, going a, back. not enough on that first day, but uh, <laughs> I packed a, I packed a few fears with me, you know, you know, expecting it to be pretty pretty cold and you know once you're moving it it's not that bad but um no i did i did put some layers on later layer that i was glad i had yeah we uh packing water for me um i mean that obviously adds a, a ton of weight but i was i was gl- glad i had it for sure and uh packing for the trip coming over uh, i had some old fly fishing poles um rod not rods uh like like Waiting sticks. sticks, yeah. And I was going to bring those, and Jason was kind of hemming and hawing, telling me that I was uh, not adequately prepared. So at the last minute, the day of the trip, I went out and bought some like legit hiking sticks, and it was my first time really using them. And previously, I, I never really quite understood why people had them. Uh, this trip definitely solidified for me that the need for the hiking sticks, especially in rough terrain when you when you have a lot of weight on your back so i, I would guess we left to our camp i probably had about 25 pounds in my pack with the the pack weight itself and then the rifle and so starting up uh, up the hill basically martin the guide was like we're going up there <laughs> points <laughs> to the top i'm like oh, all right <laughs> let's go and so uh i didn't pull out the hiking sticks um right away but i would say within 15 minutes i had the hiking sticks out and I was glad I did because um, the the steepness is one thing, but what we were walking on was was pretty unique in that it was a combination of of mud in some sections where the snow had melted, um, a, a, any any ridge or whatnot that had sun exposure, all the snow had melted and just it was kind of a little sloppy mess with mud, and then we would traverse over into uh, slate fields where. It, I'm used to kind of Northern California slate where it's a little bit smaller and you, know, you take two steps up and you slide one step back. This seemed to be bigger boulders, but still the same material. And so we're kind of tra- traversing over and Martin's like, just you know, kind of watch your step. We had some guy uh, break his leg here last week and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so having, having those uh, walking sticks really helps my confidence is making sure I can, place my feet properly and if i slipped a little bit i had a little, little extra reassurance but then coming down the mountain it was it was a godsend so yeah it was oh yeah definitely get it recommend those for sure how much vegetation are you encountering on this climb so there's the only trees that were at the bottom and they were like a planted uh dug fir a uh, little stand and then basically it just goes up and it's and the vegetation's all small, like nothing, nothing you could really hide behind or anything. There's a few rocks. Um, 
a, a wonderful thing called Spanish grass. It was kind of like a, uh, a cactus, I guess. It would kind of have a spine. It would poke you, and, and that was fun to encounter. Yeah, that just penetrated through anything right into your skin. Yeah. You could you could avoid it, and you, you wanted to avoid it. <laughs> it only took a couple of pricks from that thing before you're like, yeah, we don't need to uh, get near these things. Yeah, and then there was another grass that was up there that was similar looking, not quite as big, <clears throat> but they would kind of grow together sometimes. And you would think um, you could, you know, touch that or 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 bri- you know brush by it, but sometimes it would be in there and it'd still get you. What was the temperatures? I don't know if I caught that. I would say in the in probably it, it got down maybe to the teens at night and then maybe warmed up to like forty. Yeah, 40, okay. 50, so, 40, 50, maybe so at the cold, at the but not, not yeah, not not, not terrible, cold. not terrible. Yeah. yeah, the the coldness definitely didn't impact us. Um, just based on the, the hike, like you're you're going vertical, so your your body's staying pretty warm. Uh, if anything, we were shedding quite a few layers, and and when you stop to glass, you might be chilly for a couple seconds, but then then you're on the move again. So it wasn't really until the evening when the the sun went down that you needed to kind of bundle up. Which would have been like five thirty. It's it's pretty getting pretty dark. When you guys spotted the tar from the bottom, and Martin says we're going up there. Was that? Did you guys? Were you after a specific tar, or you know, a few, or is it more just a matter of Martin's like, yeah, there's animals up there. We can't quite make out, you know, if they're good or the quality that we're looking for, what have you. But there's enough. Let's just get up there. Um, yeah. Was it more a very kind- targeted pursuit? No, more of kind of the latter. Hey, there's animals okay. up here. Let's pick this this kind of uh, mountainside to go up, so we can glass on on both the left and right side, and it will give us a go- couple of good opportunities. And he kind of figured if there's a couple over here, there's probably going to be more that we don't see, which was definitely the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he could pick out bulls from quite a distance, but um, yeah, as far as the the trophy quality, I think you need to get you know, fairly decently close. Yeah. Did you feel like you were, or that maybe Martin picked the line of how they were going up intentionally? Like was from a ways out was, did he seem concerned with spooking tar at all, whether that's visual or anything of the sort, or was it, he, you know, it was just like, let's get up there. And then as we get close, then we need to kind of have some more caution. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, the latter. I think we were just, you know, kind of making a uh, as far as as quickly as we could, kind of an approach, and then and then get into tar country because we were, you know, probably a couple thousand yards away. And I would say, what Jay, the approach probably took us two and a half, three hours to get up there. Yeah, it was it was a ways before we even you know got into country. I felt like so we yeah we we definitely had some uh, miles to put on before. We got, and the tar didn't seem really skittish. Um, if we were bow hunting, uh, like Martin said, like they don't really have predators. The biggest thing that they're concerned about is is helicopter noises because they definitely associate the helicopters with people dropping in above them, and they that makes them a little bit skittish. But walking up from the bottom, like they they see you and they they kind of take a little bit of an interest in you, but they weren't like. At a thousand yards, seeing you and then then bolting, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't like that at all. So you could definitely, nice and slow, maybe you come up kind of just on 
on one side of a ridge line, knowing they're you know maybe a, a valley away, so they they're not watching you walk the entire way up, and that's kind of what we did. And then you kind of sneak over on top of the ridge and then glass from there and um, try to identify one that you want to take. Cool. So as you guys gain ground, you know, seeing the tar from closer versus way on the bottom, what are what are just some of your first impressions of the animals, just witnessing them and their country, the behavior, their stature, et cetera. Uh, I would say magnificent. We had one, uh, it was like Fabio up on the ridge line, yeah. the wind was blowing <laughs> in his mane. And yeah. we're like, oh my God, let's take that one. Yeah. We both, like, like, whoa, 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 that, both, that's both actually... wanted that guy. And he's like, no, that's a, that's a small one, man. Don't, really? <laughs> don't shoot that. And we're like, look at him. He's like, no, it's just the wind. And he's up there with all of his, uh, all the female use and just kind of strutting his stuff. And I'm like, he looks amazing though. And like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having a guide is probably a pretty key moment right there to shake us off the, the first tar we saw. Yeah. The fir- first nice bull, but uh, yeah. So <clears throat> we, we get up there with Martin. He, he's whipping out the glass and putting it on it. It's, it's definitely one of those situations. If you, when you guys go up, uh, Maybe I'm a little bit too fast moving, but like just to take your time when you're glassing, because you, you can glass a section, not see anything, and just take a couple deep breaths, wait a few seconds, and they seem to materialize. Like the there's enough rock up there that are fairly large. There's enough little suppressions in the in the train that they hide behind <clears throat> that they, they move they're constantly moving around. So waiting a few seconds, a couple minutes, and then all of a sudden in a nice little valley hillside where you didn't see anything before. Now you have a couple opportunities and you can kind of range them and see if there's any, any that suit your fancy and that you want to take. Well, how did, uh, how did the hunt progress from here? I think, uh, I think Martin found a, a really good one um, that he was pretty excited about. So I think uh, probably Eric, we decided Eric would uh, have a go at that guy. Do you remember this one, Eric? I do. I do. Yeah. And it was a it was a good sized tart. Um, we should probably back up just a little bit on the way to I think the airport from um, the North Island. My wife was on um, social media and they had posted a that somebody at Glendine had, had, had killed like a 15 inch tar, which was like we we were going to be really stoked on a, a 12 plus inch uh, the horns. And so we're like, oh my gosh, that that's amazing, and and we were <laughs> like over the moon that, that that would be an opportunity or that somebody had done so well there. And then uh, it, seeing the guy get this excited and this is guy, the guy that's not, you know, super excitable. Um, <laughs> he's pretty <laughs> understated for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're getting, uh, he's setting up for the shot. I think we put a couple backpacks stacked on and then a bipod on top of those to get the, the angle. I think it was a pretty steep angle. Yeah. Yeah. Using my range finder, he was at like, uh, 350 yards or so, or 350 meters. And then, uh, based on the angle with the correction, um, it would kind of put it like at 315, 313 uh, meters. So we, we kind of dialed that in and I lay down and I went to squeeze off and the animal moved a little bit. And, uh, Martin came over. He's like, Oh, let me adjust your scope. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, he's like yeah, 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 This it's at 350 meters. I'm like, yeah, but it's a pretty steep little angle. So he kind of adjusted it and played with it and squeezed off the first round. And 
uh, went right over the top of the animal's back. Yeah. Like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And he had the, uh, the spotting scope on with his phone. He was recording it. So he was able to go back and look at the footage and just see, it. yeah, the shot went right over the top. Yeah. You can see, you can see the, the bullet just impact the dirt, the little dirt clump right over the animal's shoulder. I was like, ah, oh, all right. <laughs> on to the next one. Yeah. When, they, once they the shot rang out. That, yeah. Yeah, even with the suppressor, like it uh, just um, the sonic boom kind of echoed through the valley, and they that group just took off in a dead sprint. They were they were they were gone, but fortunately, being in uh, New Zealand, the opportunity is very plentiful. So we, um, well, within about fifteen minutes of that jam, I would say we spotted a a lone bull kind of by himself. Yeah, and uh, Jason wanted me to. Uh, <coughs> Get some blood, and uh, do not want to uh, take the opportunity away. So this guy was a little bit closer and pretty, uh, pretty straight line um, shot. So I kind of got situated. I made a couple little corrections in my comfort, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, just took my time and squeezed it off. Right, th- and it was one shot right through the shoulder, and he dropped down. Then, then started his uh, rolling descent down the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they? Did Martin himself, or maybe the guys, when you arrive at base camp or you're at the range, um, talk to you about like preferred shot placement for the tar? Yeah, yeah. Erica had a picture that I had sent him, and then he said, "Is this this where uh, where you want us to put it?" And it's like, "No, oh, a little, a little bit, a little bit further back." I think is what he wanted, right? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, they're, they're really trying to get you to kind of break a shoulder, heart, lung shot type of thing. Um, the biggest difference with the tar is they're, especially this time of year, the mains on them are just huge. So if you're looking at kind of bottom of the main to the top of the main, the chest cavity is uh, a little bit on, I think, on the lower side. So you say a lot of people will <clears throat> kind of shoot over the top if you're using kind of a, a typical heart lung shot. So he's like, definitely go a little bit lower, uh, definitely kind of pushing the shoulder towards towards the back of the rib cage. So you you connect on this one and you said the tar does what? It's rolling down. Is it in sight? What's yeah, the- he kind of kicked up like legs in the air and then kind of pushed off and then started rolling. And <laughs> <laughs> he he rolled a, a little ways uh, down from where we could, you know, get a good vantage of him. So Yeah. Yeah. Still Eric in sight I- though? Yeah, yeah. Not, not we didn't not know where he went. It was it was it was just down like a chute. Like <laughs> we had to cross some some scree to get over there. And uh Martin Martin is like, "Well, I'll see you. I'm going to bring it down a little ways and I'll see you guys down there." And then he's like before we could even get off like the shooting perch, he was, you know, pretty close to the animal and and was moving it. It's crazy like just to think of that when people are familiar and comfortable and confident in certain terrain that's new to someone else. It's like how much more efficient and fast they are. Oh, it was, it was definitely humbling. Uh, I don't think Jason mentioned uh, Martin was uh, 60 years old. So he was 15 years, our senior and uh, just kicked our asses (laughs) (laughs) up and and down. Yeah. And he wasn't giving us a bad time. He was just like, yeah, I'll I'll meet you guys down there. I got some work to do. And we're like, all right. And so we're trying to keep up with them and, you know, lollygagging or anything. It was just, uh, you know, moving in some unsure country and as as well as we could. Yeah. 
this, you know, this is jumping ahead, but while we're talking about, you know, him being 60 and how it's moving and all that stuff, we talked before in the before the hunt episode of is this going to be like the hardest thing you've ever done or other guys saying like, oh, no, it's easy. And then we talked about how the New Zealanders tend to downplay things. Yes. Um, so, I'm, again, like in the quote unquote story, you haven't done a pack out or anything yet. But I'm just curious while we're on the topic and had the thought, like, how would you guys rate this in terms of physical difficulty compared to what you were expecting the trip as a whole? It's about what what I I was expecting, but maybe a, a little plus on that. And and it did not disappoint in terms of the adventure terrain and all, all of that that we were looking for. Yeah, I, I would I would second that. <clears throat> Jason and I both did a little bit quite a bit of training prior to the hunt. And uh I, I'm absolutely glad we did. I would say in general, you can't overtrain. Um and uh I'm glad, you know, when we originally talked to you guys, some of the people were like, Oh yeah, I mean, you don't have to go to the gym or anything. It's like, well, maybe not the gym, but like you better be packing weight on your back, going up and down hills and yeah, and being in being in condition because it's it's not for the faint of heart. I would say physical um, endurance and, and, and train, I would <clears throat> seven, eight out of 10. Uh, I would agree with kind of what all the other U.S. people were saying. Um, for me, at least, with the diversity of kind of the slate, the mud, the snow, um, it, that definitely made it probably the most challenging for me. Yeah, I could say if it, there was some more moisture and and weather that that could have been a really extreme hunt yeah it was it was it was dry basically uh we yeah. had sun out and uh there was, yeah, there was snow on the ground but it yeah. wasn't raining on us but if 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 it was just dumping on us like that would have been a whole new challenge for sure yeah i think even the week prior they had got some weather so there were some remnants of that but um the mud had pretty much dried up for the most part at least on the lower sections yeah all right we'll dive back into uh the shot, the recovery, um, meeting over Martin, getting to the animal and all that. Yeah. So he, he's down there and with, uh, with Nelson, the dog and, um, you know, he's already kind of started in kind of positioned the animal. And so Jason, and I kind of dive in and, and we're basically keeping them out. We wanted to take well, a couple the, pictures for a couple pictures. Oh, first, yeah, but yeah. Son, son <laughs> is definitely, uh, not our friend and, and there's a, and a sense of urgency that, we we should probably get off the mountain as soon as we can. Yeah, Jason and I were kind of like high five and like this is awesome, like just taking in the whole scenery and taking our time with the the photos. And Martin's like, "All right, guys, like it, it took us quite a few hours to get up here, and it's gonna take us just that long to get back. And it's it's getting dark within the next 35, 40 minutes. So like we we need to get moving. But, all right, <clears throat> so we we start caping out the animal and uh, basically taking the head and the cape and working on butchering them. Um, I don't think it's super common uh, over in New Zealand, um, especially for the tar after they're coming off the off the rut. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are looking to take the animal just for the meat, that's for sure. So Jason and I were like, yeah, we, we want to make sure we capture as much of the meat as possible. And he kind of stopped and looked at us. He's like, are you <laughs> sure about that? We're like, oh, yeah. He's like, are you, really? <clears throat> and we'll, we kind of explained to him that, you know, having the, having the cape and, <clears throat> and uh, the horns are great. But as I explained on the first one, I'm, we're definitely into collecting a bunch of different proteins and stuff like that. And um, 
He's like, yeah, absolutely. Like you guys are into it. Like let's take some back. Yeah. I guess that's a good time to talk about uh, the pink eye and uh, the trophy mounting options. Yeah. yeah so the, um, the tar have picked up some pink eye from the native sheep in this area. So um, some of them are, you know, have some like discharge from their eye and it's, it's like affecting some of the, um, the under the under the eye hair from falling out and, the, and uh that this was the case with eric's and mine both the both the tar had this so um rather than do a shoulder mount we were uh, decided to do a rug and uh, a european mount nice be in the winter hides where they very impressive oh, once you get your hands on them super, super prime like uh long long hair super great yeah would have been a super cool shoulder mount but definitely even looking through the, the the spotting scope i sure couldn't tell any any deformities or discoloration around the eyes but once you get up up and close and personal with it yeah all, all the skin is basically just kind of i guess rotted away for lack of better terms yeah. Yeah. yeah how was the pack out <laughs> <laughs> it was dark and heavy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so going up we had a little, little bit less water but then between uh uh the cape and uh the the rifles which seemed to uh increase in weight the the higher we went and a couple pounds of a uh, couple pounds of meat I, I don't think from from that tar we we were able to uh recoup too much of the, too much of the meat i would say it was, it was pretty minimal but um you know, we probably had an ex an extra what Jay, ten to fifteen pounds of extra, probably. yeah, meat a piece. Yeah, Martin carried the uh, the cape and and skull down on his back, basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jay yeah. and I took some of the meats and yeah, down the hill we went, and he's like, "I'll meet you down below." And we're like, "All right." So we bring out our headlamps and had the full experience. But again, like you said, somebody somebody that lives up there that does this routinely his footwork in moving down that mountain was like, it could have been a 12 o'clock sunny afternoon. And yeah. He's just flying. <laughs> he's down. moving. Yeah. And it was like, well, yeah, every, tracking every pulls step, out, yeah. You know, checking, <laughs> checking each step. Like, Oh, this is, it's a slippery scree and don't want to take a header here. Yeah. I mean, I, I must've, I must've, I, I never rolled down, but I definitely, and my feet came out from underneath me and, Oh, I yeah. definitely many, hit my many hit times, my butt yeah. a couple times. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so Jace and I were definitely definitely the slow movers going down. And then what? What do you think, Jay? Took us what about three and a half hours, four hours to get off the mountain? I don't think four, but it was probably about eight thirty when we got back to to camp. It was pretty uh, so, pretty beat. Yeah, yeah n- nothing crazy as far as like being out all night, but just I mean, considering it gets dark, I mean, it is dark by 5 five thirty. yeah so hiking down a, a hillside in unknown terrain for three plus hours physically it, it was definitely taxing but nothing undoable but i was really surprised on the kind of mental i mean your mental component to it like at least for me my body was like oh my god like don't go too far this way and fall off the, the cliff and you know don't slide down this over here and Watch out for those wonderful uh, thorny plants and 
So it just took a lot more kind of energy to, to work on foot placement, make sure you weren't sliding around. Did you guys, so I don't know, I don't want to skip ahead and anything if there's other stuff from the pack out to talk about, but I'm curious when you mentioned meat, did you guys prepare anything that evening back at this uh, tar camp? So at tar camp, the, the chef at the lodge prepares the dinner and then the, the guides basically just heat it up. So okay. Eric, you could describe it. I think it was tar. So that was. Yeah. Yeah. Because we we're in tar camps. She's like, yeah. And we, we want you guys to have tar, which was awesome. It was basically, um, it was a tar uh, fried rice, uh, lots of eggs, so heavy on the protein, uh, lots of tar meat kind of mixed in and it, season just perfectly like it was <laughs> it was uh very welcomed it was a, it was a great meal and uh lots of it and we kind of scarfed that down pretty quick this is, unless we're skipping ahead next day jason sounds like it's your turn next day yeah uh well the the night was pretty cold uh i was on uh firebox duty so i i got up at two and five to stoke the fire um definitely felt it was a little chilly but we had a two i think negative 40 bags um sleeping bags in the in the tent so uh we were comfortable um yeah keeping the thing warm at night was a little bit of a challenge but um yeah woke up the next morning a little sore uh thinking about that that climb and and knowing it's it's my turn and uh have a quick breakfast at in uh, martin's tent and then uh headed up the hill same type of uh, climb? Same type of climb, uh, maybe a little bit slower than the previous day. <laughs> uh, not uh, not not feeling the, the mountain legs quite yet, but um, getting there. And uh, yeah, we're seeing tar pretty much, you know, right right when we get to the high country, we're, we're spotting tar. I think a couple even kind of walked almost at us within like maybe 40 yards, which we thought was just crazy. Um, yeah, they it, made- it- even if they see you, if they if they don't wind you, it, it didn't seem like they were really concerned with your presence. Um, but once they winded you, like they were gone. But yeah, you could have if, if you stayed still and you had the the wind in, in not in their direction, like they they could definitely kind of mosey up fairly close to you. Like Jason said, within forty to sixty yards for sure. Did uh, yes, yeah. Go ahead, Jason. I was just gonna say we got basically to the the highest point that I think we could probably reasonably hike to. I'm pretty sure there was we were almost ran out of mountain. There was another like ridge that went up and it was full snow and we could see tar moving right to left, basically out of the drainage that we were in. And um, Martin was like, "Okay, I think we're gonna head off to the right and do a you know, look, look for tar over there. We did, we did spot a few and, and looked at a few and they were just a little out of range, maybe like in the five to 600 yard range that we were kind of eyeing. That sound right, Eric? I think they're a little bit more than that. I want yeah, to say maybe. they were about 800 meters or so. Yeah. So pretty, but pretty out, pretty out there. Yeah. Too far for a, a comfortable shot for us. Yeah, we had kind of agreed that 400 would be the the max we would we would go for. Gotcha. I'm curious, Jason. After you know, you had this day prior to see tar, look over tar. You had Eric's that you got to put your hands on. You're up here seeing tar again on this next day. Did you 
did any of that experience change your perception on kind of like the quality of guitar that you're going after? Or did you have like a feel for that? I I had a, a pretty good look at the the one that Eric shot over and that one was kind of in my mind uh, a little <laughs> heavy when when the opportunity, you know, the you know, second right of a refusal for when Eric shot his, you know, I, I had the option to take that one and and I wanted him to take it. He was excited about it and and I, I had that that one from the first day in my mind that oh that's a that was a really nice one like you know not i mean we're talking like maybe two inches difference maybe at the most and and we're like okay that's a that's a you know small amount really but it it does it does look bigger so i was kind of thinking maybe i can maybe i can one-up eric's a little bit (laughs) (laughs) as good friends do yeah i will say uh this was also the first hunt where i've been able to smell some of the animals before actually seeing them um Hmm. We experienced a little bit with elk before in, in Wyoming, but these char definitely have, especially this time of year, being at the end of the rut or in the, in the middle of the rut, they have a very, very strong odor to them. And so they could be kind of below you or above you and you may not see them, but if that wind changes, like you could definitely smell them too. I thought that was, uh, it definitely gets you pretty excited. You're like, oh my God, they're, they're around here somewhere. I just can't see them. <laughs> Yeah, that that was definitely a conditions dependent. Like if the wind was, you know, you know, in in the wrong favor, we we wouldn't know they were there at all. But somehow Nelson was was picking them off at, um, up high on the mountain too. So nice. How did the hunt progress for you, Jason? Well, uh, we we basically went as far <laughs> we we went through about all the all the terrain types that we had seen. And then uh, there's one spot where it was it was kind of like muddy, and I was thinking, okay, this must have just been snow. And I, was, I looked at Eric, I'm like, wouldn't it wouldn't be weird if there's like just snow? And then so the next drainage over, we're we're crossing a big snow field. <laughs> He's just like, oh man, we're, you know, it's slippery and steep, and we're you know trying to stay upright, and it it was you know a side hill situation trying to stay keep our elevation but move move on the mountain yeah they, th- this wasn't just like a little dusting of of snow to make it look pretty like this was i mean you step down and your your foot's going down you know yeah eight inches, like, 12 ca- inches. yeah calf calf deep probably uh we didn't we had shed quite a bit of gear um from the first day i i know i did i i took out my uh my tripod and it pretty much a bunch of layers that I, I didn't use on the first day. So I, I was trying to lighten things quite a bit and took the gators out and probably that would have been a good time to have them if, if we were going to use them, but um, we did. Okay. The boots, boots held up um, probably pushed to their limit. I felt like uh, in terms of stiffness and that, but um, we got over to that uh, far terrain where we could glass another basin and um, sat down and we're going to, it was about, noontime i think and we we're gonna about about to have lunch and i was digging around for my sandwich and then um the the magic words that martin says is make ready the rifle so, <laughs> so before i could even get any food in me it was like okay <laughs> so uh, uh he was spotting some nanny uh nannies so there's nannies everywhere there's gonna be bulls there, there gotta be bulls around here so um they just started materializing out of out of just thin air it seemed like they're just popping up and um uh, a nanny was looking back at us and then she moved around to a point where she could basically skyline us on the on the hill and and spotted us and then 
a bunch of tar ran we're looking downhill to the right and went behind some rocks and and they didn't really shoot out past that we could could see that you know they basically got behind the rocks and, and felt safe so we moved down and um uh there was a bull in the group that that martin had saw and, and he said that was a good one so um got over a, a rock to uh to make the the shot and uh let let that shot go uh tar went down but it was back up um it was running from the right back to the left from kind of where they came initially and i swung through that and and uh, pulled the shot there and he went down again and yeah that, that was a, that was pretty impressive shooting <laughs> shooting a running tar and watching it just collapse and then and then get back up and you're like holy yeah it, it felt like a good <laughs> shot and then um He's standing again, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this!" And then uh, shot one, and it sounded weird, so I shot again, and it was definitely like a ricochet. And then uh, there was a rock between us that I couldn't see, so I uh, had to move down lower to get um, a better vantage, and uh, was able to get a good shot then. And uh, I think that uh, ended things there. Jay, on that first one though. When that nanny spotted us, she was super close, right? Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, 50, like th- 50 yards at the most. Yeah, maybe less. Going back to, I mean, you guys, obviously, we talked about before you're using the loaner rifles and everything else from there. What bullets did they have you shooting? Do you guys know? Yeah, so Eric had the ELDX and the 308. I think they were a 178, so pretty, pretty heavy bullet yeah. for him. And then um, I was shooting... Uh, I think they're reloads because they're Hornady brass and 150 grain Barnes t- uh, tip TSX, I believe is what they were. Okay. And that was yeah. a 30 out six. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So some pretty good authority. Um, Martin wanted a little bit and I was glad I had it at that moment. Yeah. That one after those shots, then recovery is a non-issue. It's kind of down on that last shot. You said. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had Nelson too. He was he was down there before, where we even <laughs> could figure out. It was like fairly steep, so there's a, a, a pretty significant angle there as well. And um, uh, we weren't able to see him quite from that vantage. We knew he was down, but um, once we started moving, you could kind of lose him. But you could pick up uh, Nelson moving, and and you could know the direction to go. And we were we were down there pretty quick, and and then kind of moved. Eric brought down all the the packs, and then we had had basically lunch and, and decided what we were going to do with uh, the tar and it ended up being the, the Euro and, and rug uh, caping that we, that we did for Eric's. Yeah. Cool. So you guys are, this is day two and you guys are headed back then that evening out of tar camp and back to base yeah. camp. Yeah. Eric asked uh, Martin at one point, like, let's say we're unsuccessful today. What do we do? And do you remember what you said, Eric? <laughs> we go to we go to the other camp that has uh, the steep elevations. Yeah, <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> like, buddy, today's the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit steeper, I think, is what he says. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And we're like, Martin, are you joking with us? And he's like, he's like, no. And we're like, it gets a lot steeper. He's like, oh yes. <laughs> okay, today's the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, the stuff we were on, like, it wasn't technical. Like, you didn't need ropes or anything. But if it got that much steeper and, you know, it's covered in snow, like, 
he would start getting technical for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad we were able to uh, close out our our tar in that that place. Yeah, I think we got the the full experience. And I think he told us uh, he had never taken hunters as high as as we had gone. So we felt pretty good about that. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Man, we covered so much time already. I don't want to skip over like any important details or anything like that, but I do want to make sure we talk about uh, just a few key things. Uh, and again, feel free to like jump in and make sure we hit other notable points of the story or what have you. But I know this is jumping way ahead to the quote unquote end of the trip, but I wanted to hear about uh, getting meat back and then even like what you guys talked about doing the Euro and the rugs. What does that look like? Do you have those? finished over there and then shipped later did you bring it back with you just kind of all those details on both kind of the meat and the the cape and the skulls yeah so we uh, both jason and myself are, are having the the, the hides and the, the skull mounts uh, all done over in new zealand so it's gonna be shipped back yeah glendine has an in-house taxidermist that we we're gonna use okay yeah mm-hmm. i guess we work with uh with an import liaison Bro- broker yeah broker over here just to help make sure everything gets through customs without without issues i guess that's one of their their big concerns is that stuff gets delayed at customs and either it gets rejected or it just creates undue undue financial expense if there's they they have to store it for whatever reason mm-hmm. so ha- having a having a broker for the importation of that stuff is is key the meat we were super happy with we uh from jason's tar we we got um, all the quarters and uh, we packed those back down to camp. So we had a, a, a ton of meat from his animal, plus the the tenderloins, the back straps, all, all the good stuff. And then we'll just kind of jump around a little bit, but I wound up getting a, a fallow deer as well, which was awesome. And Jason got a, got a, what they call yours, Jay? A red hind, the, the female uh, stag, red stag. And, uh, oh, nice. yeah, we, we harvested all those guys with the, with the, for the meats and went to kind of like their version of a Home Depot and picked up some uh, chili boxes. Chili bins. Chili bins. Yeah. Um, little portable uh, coolers that we put in um, put in the freezer and got those all nice and cold. And Chase and I spent an afternoon kind of processing the meat, deboning it, uh, wrapping it up and, and freezing everything. And... Yeah, the, taking the meat back was actually way easier than we could have imagined. Like it was, it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, just walking through the customs, the, the, there's a declaration line, and we we got in there and said, "What do you have?" And we say, "We have venison." I said, "Is it from New Zealand?" And I said, we said, "Yes." And they said, "Okay." And we waved us through, and that was that. Really? Yeah. 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 Even even, easier. even at New Zealand, when we when we checked the bags, like. Um, we didn't have to pay anything extra for the bags, did we, Jay? Uh, I think we did for ours. Um, we had, you know, one more. We had we had two more check uh, bags with the the chili bins. What did that cost? So I think we had to pay a little extra for that, but they were under fifty pounds, so no overage. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and they they put like a little sticker on it. Saying, yeah, they put a sticker on the on the coolers saying that it contained uh, meat products and. Mine went through on the normal check bags. I think Jason went over to a specialty section that had like nope. a, no. Did didn't you put yours with like the fragile section or whatnot? Jay, <laughs> oh. lose him. 
He's totally ignoring you. Jason, I checked in separately um, on the return flights and my lady kind of just pushed through on the normal baggage section uh, on his. I, I think he went over to for whatever like reason, they had a, baggage. He, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it was. It was no no issue whatsoever. It was just kind of a slightly different process. And then uh, we picked it up in San Francisco, and it was it was still all frozen, nice and tight, and went through uh, went through customs and, and the security lines. And you know, they they didn't even require us to open them up. They just asked what was inside and. Asked where we were coming from and showed them our paperwork, and that was it. Wow, couldn't have been easier. Yeah, I thought it was me way more yeah. involved. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> yeah, we were sweating a little because uh, even on the plane, you know, when they give you the forms that that didn't even happen, or just like nothing, no de- declaration part. We just walked up and we're like, oh, "What do we do here?" And then they said, "What do you have? Meat? All right, see ya." <laughs> yeah, nice. I would have thought it'd be a little. It's that easy coming back from Alaska. I thought coming from a different country would be slightly different, but yeah, I think it's something awesome. with New Zealand is is particularly easy. Oh. Yeah, I, I think it really has to do with the fact that it's coming from New Zealand, and I don't think they have um, a lot of the diseases or whatnot that we're that United States is concerned with. So I think that mm-hmm. makes it a pretty um, simple process. Gotcha. Well, what else, guys? What do you want to make sure we hit? Any lessons learned just notable stuff i know we skipped over all of the north island stuff with the family so um, you know there's we could fill another hour hours of conversation but (laughs) top stuff that we didn't hit that uh you want to share yeah i would say for the family stuff um spending time in the north island is great but there is just as much to do in the south island so it, it was perfect for us jason's wife and uh my wife and kids um did everything from wine tasting to bungee jumping to some little hikes and tons of shopping. Um, they, they have some just amazing wool and possum products um, that you can bring back for souvenirs and lots of, lots of family stuff to do. And it's, it's just really easy to kind of get around and, and uh, enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. The family had a guide from Glendine that took them out and they, they just loved her and had a great time. And then another thing was uh, we had a chef at the lodge, which um, she was from Texas, Holly. Um, she was phenomenal. Just every meal was a 10. What was uh, something unique in terms of one of those meals? But we, probably the best. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, for uh, my fallow deer, we took the heart. And yeah. from Jason's uh, 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 red stag, we took the liver. And Holly cooked those up uh, one each night. Uh, as like a little appetizer with like a chimichurri sauce, I think on the on the heart, that was it was great. <laughs> it yeah. was really awesome. So nice. that was that was probably the most memorable uh, being the, having a chance to kind of eat eat the heart and liver from those two animals was was super good. Yeah, and on the on the fourth day it was my birthday, and Eric decided to go uh, horseback riding with his family, so. I was able to go out with the guide Martin and my wife, and uh, she ended up shooting a, her first animal, which was a red hind. Oh no way! That's yeah, cool. it was re- re- super awesome. Uh, got to you know be right next to her while, while it kind of went down, and uh, Martin was doing the the heavy lifting in terms of uh, coaching her through it, and uh, she was prone, and it was a 280 meter shot, so just a bit over 300 yards, which is 
far, you know, probably what I wouldn't have chosen for her, but uh, she double lunged it, took a step and uh, went down. Everything went perfectly. So we were thrilled with how that, how it played out, played out and got a little bit more meat to take home. And in, in true uh, crazy fashion, he, he picked up the whole deer before it was even gutted and carried it back to the, <laughs> the side by side. And, and not surprising, he beat us back. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, going through the snow, kind of gingerly trying to make sure we, you know, careful with our stepping and he's back there uh, and got, got the animal off and, uh, getting ready for some photos before, uh, before we even got back there. Wow. Hey, Jay, do you want to hit on my uh, fallow deer real quick? Yeah, yeah. That was a really cool uh, hunt. Um, after I had taken my hind, um, we went went to go look for a fallow for Eric, and and uh, we went up to a spot where Martin thought they might be, and it was just this, like, would it look like it would be a glassing spot, but it was completely foggy. And then we heard, like, this clattering of, of hooves, and he's like, oh, they're in here. And then she just, like, dives into the manuka. And it's just like this like mesquite kind of scrub. And uh we're we're like chasing them around in there, the three of us and, and, and Nelson of course. And uh get get a little closer and it's still foggy and then you hear like another hoof beat and we're 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 moving through the manuka some more and, and uh we kind of get down to a spot where we're below the fog, which I guess they have these inversions there that really can impact the weather quite a bit. And so the fog's like above us, we can, we can finally see, and, um, we're looking at this basin and we, we know there's no way they couldn't have gone through that. It's too big. And we would have spotted them. So we're just kind of looking and go, where are they? And, uh, Martin spots a, an antler tip and drops down, Eric drops down and, and, and then pretty much at that moment, they bolt across to the hillside across from us. Um, Martin lets out a grunt, kind of like a white tail, and they they turn and look, and at pretty much right at that moment, Eric Eric fires a shot and fallow down, and that's the end of it. And it was pretty spectacular uh, moment. It it happened so fast too. He's like we were kind of chasing these guys up the hill, then down the hill, and to the left and to the right, and then everything just went quiet, and we're we're just we're stopped. Um, Nelson, the dog, is on high alert. Like his ears are perked. He, he's staring straight ahead. And then, that, yeah, and that's when yeah, and, kind of and they grabs my shoulder and pulls yeah. me down. He's like, they're right there. And they were probably at, at that moment 30 yards away. Yeah, they, they were like right under us. Yeah, you, you definitely not a shot because all you could see was the, the tips of their of their antlers above the, above the brush. Um, and then they bolted and I don't, it happened so fast. I can't tell you if I shot from a kneeling position, if I just took a knee when I shot, but I, I definitely kind of crouched down and took the shot. And yeah, it was, it was picture perfect. It was, <laughs> you have this gorgeous sunrise coming up or the sun's up with the kind of going through the fog. You have like these little low clouds going between the valleys and then this gorgeous, magnificent animal uh, on this perfectly green hillside like it was it was it was something that you uh you read about from the old hunting days of books and stuff it was just amazing yeah sounds awesome yeah you gotta go (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) anything 
not not to quote unquote focus on negative. Anything you guys would do different or learned or anything like that? Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh I don't think so. Everything went really smoothly pretty much throughout. We had a um little bout of sickness kind of run through our group a little bit and um that was a little bit of a bummer, but um people bounced back and were troopers throughout. And yeah, I had to take my uh my youngest to the the hospital. Uh, she got strep throat and I will say, if you have to get sick, getting sick in New Zealand is probably the easiest thing. Um, we had medical insurance, but uh, we didn't wind up not even using it because it was such a, a straightforward process with them and just paid for the medical process and the prescriptions out of pocket. And I think the whole thing cost us about $200 US dollars out of pocket. So it was really kind of a non-issue. Um so yeah, the, the medical system seemed to be really, really great for us. Um, the country in itself is beautiful from a, a, a scenery perspective, but also just it, it is spotless. Like all the cities are very clean, very safe. Um, so the the families, Jason and I could kind of rest assured as the families were touring around that they were in good hands and weren't going to have any, any issues. Yeah, and the people are just extremely nice and fun to get along with, talk to and no tipping. No, nobody takes tips over there. Restaurants, <laughs> yeah. coffee baristas, bartenders. No, nobody. Nobody takes tips. Which is- yeah, that was what some of the information we got from uh, Jim in Colorado. I think he he told us about that. Everybody wants a tip over here now. I yep. know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of refreshing a little bit. <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh, they, yeah. The other thing is they don't bring the bill at the end at, when you're done with your meal or whatever. There's, he he did tell us about that. So we. You know, we'd you'd probably sit there for a really long time because it, it it never comes. You got to kind of go say, okay, we're we're leaving. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, guys, thanks for sharing it, man. It yeah. Sounds like an amazing experience. I know we only kind of really glossed the surface of the couple weeks and all that we could have talked about, but uh, man, so cool to hear of different contexts and places and opportunities. So, thanks for sharing it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if people want to read a really good book about hunting New Zealand, that's what it's called, Hunting New Zealand by Peter Ryan. Uh, I read that like right before we went, and it's it's pretty great getting prepped up and like, reading about all the stories that happen over there. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap on this one. As we've mentioned before, we have a ton of Before the Hunt podcasts coming out this month with you guys, listeners of the show, to hear about the hunting plans that you have for this fall and how you're going into those. So stay tuned. There's a lot of great content coming. Be sure to hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app if you haven't already so that you receive future episodes automatically. And you can always find all episodes at exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast. You can also enter this month's giveaway before August 15th of 2023. If you're listening, go ahead and do that right now. Again, that's just exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast or there will be a link in the show description. 